0: When it's dark and everything seems hopeless, preach to your heart, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can say that regardless of what you're experiencing, regardless of what you're feeling. You can say that because of Jesus, because of who he is because of his character, because of his promises. And that's exactly what David will show us in the back half of Psalm 27. So turn there in your Bibles. We looked at the first half last week. We're going to finish it today. In Psalm 27, David will show us that your heart is a congregation, and you are the preacher, meaning you have to preach To your own heart all the time, but especially when life is dark and everything feels hopeless. And when life is like that, that's when you are to become a preacher. That's when you become Reverend so and so, and you preach to your heart the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. As Paul Tripp says, No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Whether you realize it or not, you are in an unending conversation with yourself and the things you say to you about you are formative of the way that you live. You are constantly talking to yourself about your identity, your spirituality, your functionality, your emotionality, your mentality, your personality, your relationships, etc. You are constantly preaching to yourself some kind of gospel. You preach to yourself an anti-gospel of your own righteousness, power, and wisdom, or you preach to yourself the true gospel of deep spiritual need And sufficient grace. You preach to yourself an anti-gospel of aloneness and inability. Or you preach to yourself the true gospel of the presence, provisions, and power of an ever-present Christ. So you are an unending preacher. Preaching an unending sermon to the congregation of your own heart. And you thought I was the only preacher here at Grace? (laughs) You thought James and I were the only preachers here at Grace? Nope. All of you are preachers, and all of you preach to yourself all the time. So we're going to unpack that idea as we go along. So we're going to jump back into Psalm 27, where we will see a preacher, the Reverend David, son of Jesse, and he will preach a sermon to his own heart. So Psalm 27, look at verse 7 and hear the word of the Lord. Hear, O Yahweh, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Yahweh, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but Yahweh will take me in. Recall what we saw last week in the first half of this psalm. David is confident. He's singing in faith. He's trusting the promises of God. He's not afraid of anyone. Even if an army shows up on his doorstep, ringing his doorbell nonstop in the middle of the night, David says, I'm not scared. I'm not afraid of those guys. And why was David so full of faith? So full of confidence? It's what we saw last week. Because in verse 4, he gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. He gazed upon, it's the Hebrew word, kindness. He gazed upon the kindness of the Lord. His heart was recalibrated as he worshipped at the tabernacle. As he offered sacrifices. As he went to church, if you will. As he heard... And saw and smelled the gospel as that animal was burned for his sins. In other words, church had recalibrated David's heart. Being in church had given David the perspective that he needed. But now in verse 7, it's like late Tuesday night. He's tossing and turning in bed. Church was a few days ago, and life has happened to David between Sunday and late Tuesday night. Problems have just barged into his life, barged into his heart uninvited. Suffering has moved into David's heart and just made itself at home. And his heart is now a long way off from his Sunday morning, my heart shall not fear, I will be confident, confession. And that happens, doesn't it? You leave church on top of the world. You've had great fellowship, resting in the gospel, trusting the promises of God. And then here comes late Tuesday night. Late Tuesday night happens. Then that email comes. Then that conversation occurs. Then you get news that you weren't expecting. Then the dishwasher breaks down. And that's life for a disciple in this fallen world. It's why we show back up here every week. Because we need to get our hearts recalibrated. And it's why David is now crying out in desperation in verse 7. Because life happened. And he needs Jesus again. Just like you and me. Welcome to discipleship pre-eternity. One minute you're full of faith. The next minute you're full of desperation. And so David cries out and asks Yahweh, the sovereign Lord. He asks God to answer him and be gracious to him. But notice that David, he says he cries aloud. So this isn't just a soft whisper. This isn't just, help me, Jesus. Please help me. This this Hebrew word here for cried is the word that Potiphar's wife used in Genesis 39 when she falsely claimed that Joseph was attacking her. She screamed. She cried out for help, for people to come and help her. It was loud enough for people to come in. It's the word that lepers use when they would scream and cry out, unclean, unclean. That's the word cry. And then the Hebrew word for aloud is the Hebrew word that is used repeatedly throughout the Old Testament for thunder. Like when the Lord thundered from Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. So this is like a thunderous cry coming from the heart of David. David is yelling. David is screaming a thunderous cry. Hear, O Yahweh, be gracious, answer me. Sometimes the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the heartbreak is so great that the only kind of prayer that can match the intensity of what you are suffering, sometimes the only kind of prayer that can match that is a thunderous cry, a scream at the top of your lungs to Jesus You can pray that way, you know. You won't hurt God's ears if you scream at him. His ears are not that sensitive. He can handle it. Sometimes you have to get alone with God not for a quote-unquote quiet time. Sometimes you have to get alone with God for a loud time, a thundering cry time. And that's David here. But then David says something in verse 8 that shows us, I love this, shows us the very heart of God. In verse 8, it's as if Jesus rips open his heart and we get to peek inside. Look at verse 8 again. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Yahweh, do I seek. And so David, he kind of quote tweets the Lord here, if you will. It's as if Yahweh got on Twitter and tweeted out, seek my face. And David replies, my heart cries out to you, I will seek your face. David's heart responds to God's heart. God has revealed his heart and said, seek my face. And David's heart responds to God's heart. David's heart says, if you want me to seek your face, by golly, I'll seek your face. And we should have that same heart attitude as David as well. We should say to Jesus, if you want me to seek your face, Jesus, then by golly, I'll seek your face. In verse 7, David asks God to be gracious to him. Well, this is God being gracious to David and being gracious to us. Because Psalm 27 is reminding us that God is the one who initiates our relationship with him. That's grace. God initiates this. And this is fascinating because it's plural in the Hebrew, by the way, okay? This is not singular here. Yahweh isn't just calling out to David. He isn't just saying, hey, David, seek my face. It's plural. He's speaking to everyone. God says to everyone, hey, all y'all seek my face. Y'all may not know the phrase all y'all, okay? So it's a southern thing. Let me explain it to you, okay? It's really genius, by the way, okay? Let me explain all y'all to y'all, okay? In Texas, you don't say you all. You say y'all, which means you all. Unless there's a lot of y'all, then it's all y'all, which means all you all. There's also the plural possessive form, all y'all's. That would be like the Lord said to David and company, I accept all y'all's burnt offerings. I share this because so many of y'all are moving out of California to southern states, and all y'all are going to need this little educational moment. We are going to miss all y'all's kids at Iwana. You're welcome. You'll thank me someday. You'll email me and say, thank you for explaining y'all, all all y'all, and all y'alls. You're going to need it. So in David's day and today, Jesus is saying, all y'all seek my face. Will you seek his face today? Will you seek his face this week? Jesus is there waiting He's your friend and you can fellowship with him and know him and become even more acquainted with him. We saw it earlier. The friendship of the Lord is for those who are in awe of him. There's friendship with Jesus available for those who are just flabbergasted that he continues to love them. I don't care how long you have been a Christian. There is always more to learn Of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's more this week for you to learn of Him. Did you know that? This week, there are things for you individually to learn about your Lord, to know Him more and more and more. So let's be a church and let's be disciples who say, by golly, we're gonna seek His face. Well, then in verse 9, David says, you have been my help. In other words, David and Yahweh have history. This is not their first encounter. They have history together. They have stories. They have memories. David has seen Yahweh come through for him in the past, but he doesn't know when, specifically, deliverance will come This time in the predicament that he has found him in. It might come on Thursday afternoon at 2.30. It might be six months from now. But what David does know is that until then, he will see the goodness of the Lord in his life. He mentions that in verse 13, which we'll look at in a moment. But David can look around right now, even as he's waiting for Yahweh to answer his prayers and intervene, he can look around now and see evidence of God's goodness in his life. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And also on that future day when he is finally delivered from his current predicament. What David is telling us is that even when it's dark, even when it feels hopeless, we can still look around. If we're intentional, we can look around and see evidence of his goodness to us as we're suffering. So one way to make it through your troubles without getting more gray hair or without losing more hair is to look around for evidence of God's grace in your life. Where do you see his goodness? That's how you make it through the muck and the mire of life. You start looking for and giving thanks for all the ways that God has been good to you. Now, what we typically do is just obsess about our problems, don't we? Instead of looking around and saying, yes, this is happening. I'm not denying that, but Man, I see God's goodness to me here. I see his goodness here. I see his goodness here. You know, when you do that, it will recalibrate your heart. Don't worry about the calendar. Don't worry about what day God will answer and intervene. You look around for evidence of his kindness to you thus far in your life. You look back over your life and you say, Me and Jesus, we have history together. We have stories memories. Jesus has been my help. He helped me here and here and here and here and here. That's what David says. You have been my help. And so Christian, those words, you have been my help. That's the banner over your life right now. Psalm twenty seven nine is the banner hanging over your life. And so you can turn around and look back over your life. No matter what you ex- have experienced, you can look back, Christian. And this is the banner that hangs over every trial that you have gone through, every suffering that you have gone through, every hardship that you have ever faced, every moment in your life that you have ever experienced. You look back and there is a banner that says, You have been my help. So look back over this past week. And whatever happened in your life, this is the banner that was hanging over it all. And then think about this. How many times has the Holy Spirit helped us and we may not even been aware? How many dangers has he spared us from? How many times has he strengthened us and we were not aware and we did not give him thanks? He is your help. And someday you will be able to look back over every dark time in your life. Look back over every hopeless situation. And you can say with David, you have been my help. Speaking of David, David Pallison is very helpful here. He said this, the poor in spirit are blessed. Matthew 5, 3. Sanity has a deep awareness. I need help. I can't do life right on my own. Someone outside of me must help me. The sense of need for help from outside yourself is an essential step towards sanity. Let me say that one again, okay? The sense of need for help from outside yourself, meaning Jesus, is an essential step toward sanity, an essential step to keep you from losing your mind when you suffer, right? He continues. Here is the sweet paradox in how God works. He blesses those who admit they need help. It is this faith, I am poor and needy, help me, that Jesus commands. What keeps you from going crazy when life is dark and everything seems hopeless is that help is available help outside of you is available and not just from anyone but from God himself the fact that God is on the other end of the line when you pick up the phone that's what keeps you sane the fact that Jesus is listening on the other end and he will help you can keep you from losing your marbles And not going crazy is not the only good thing from recognizing that your help is found in Jesus. There is a blessing in admitting that you need help. When you can say to Jesus, I am poor and needy, help me. He looks around at the angels of heaven, if you will, and he says, that one gets it. She knows what's up. She's right where she needs to be. Jesus commends the disciple who cries out, help me. It glorifies Jesus when you cry out, help me. I'm going to assume if you're a Christian that the number one priority of your life is that God would be glorified. I hope that's your heartbeat. I want God, I want Jesus to be glorified. If you want to glorify Jesus this week, it may not necessarily come about through reading a systematic theology, it might, but it will glorify Jesus if you can cry out to him and say, help me. That brings him great honor. glory and then you get helped in the process so it's winner winner chicken dinner right but David also feels like he might be abandoned by God he says in verse 9 hide not your face from me David is asking the Lord not to leave him which is just another way of saying answer me intervene deliver me the face was the organ of favor in the ancient near east and so if someone's face was towards you if they spoke of their face being toward you It meant that they were gracious to you. But a face that was turned away meant rejection. That's why the priestly benediction in number six says this. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And this blessing, this prayer in number six ultimately gets answered in the person of Jesus Christ because what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 4 He says for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ the face of Jesus is one of favor grace kindness not a frown not angry We come to know the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Christian, you have God's favor right now. You don't have to work to earn that. It's free. You have it. You live in His perpetual favor and His unabated delight. And that will never change. No matter how much you sin, no matter how much you suffer. And so when trouble comes your way, You have to become a preacher. And you have to preach to the congregation of your heart. Remember, when it's dark and everything feels hopeless, preach to your heart, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You may even want to take today's worship bulletin home uh, and stick it on your refrigerator so it'll remind you. Put in your bathroom mirror, Leave it on your nightstand to remind you to preach the gospel to your own heart. To remind you that sometimes as a disciple, you have to sound like a broken record that's skipping. I believe that I shall look. I believe that I shall look. I believe that I shall look. That's actually what faith looks like. Understand this. Faith puts God's promises on repeat. Faith plays the same song, the same promise over and over and over again. And so even though there's desperation in David's voice in Psalm 27, even though he is crying out and screaming out and having a thunderous cry time with Yahweh, please don't mistake this as not having faith. David screaming is David not having is not David not having faith. This is faith. This is trust. Faith and trust move toward Jesus. Even if they have to scream their way there. David screams in faith. David yells in faith. Otherwise, there is no reason why he should pray. Why pray to God if he is not faithful? Why cry out to God if he can't do anything about the situation you're in? Why pray to God if he isn't the kind of God who welcomes the screams and cries of his children? But he is that kind of God. He welcomes, screams, and the cries of his children. I mean, think about babies. They scream at us, right? They cry out, they yell, they're hungry, they're fussy, they want their diapers changed. Do we ignore babies when they scream at us? No, we we pick them up. We nurse them, we give them a bottle, we change their diaper, we give them a pacifier, we... Rock them in a rocking chair. We hold them. We shush them. Right? We sing lullabies to them. That's what God does with us. When we scream out to him in faith, like a little baby, saying, I need help. I can't change my own diaper. I can't make my own bottle. I can't pick up the passy that's over there. I need help. That's what God does with us. Doesn't that just thrill your heart, Christian? You have a God who really does rejoice over you with singing. As the prophet Zephaniah says, Yahweh your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You have a God who really does care for you like this. When you cry out and when you scream out to him in faith. And so when David piles up all of these requests, when he piles up all of these screams, it's faith. Here, be gracious, answer me. Hide not your face, don't turn away from me, don't cast me away, please don't forsake me. That's faith. Faith gathers up all the desperate requests that it can find and it goes straight to Yahweh and says, here you go, help. Faith gathers up all the desperate requests and the hurts and the fears. And it takes them to Jesus and says, here you go. Help. In fact, faith often works best when there's desperation and perspiration. Faith is not afraid to be desperate and faith is not afraid to sweat a little bit. So desperation and perspiration, our faith. They go hand in hand. Okay, David continues. Let's look at verse 11. Teach me your way, O Yahweh, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When David says, teach me, David wants Yahweh to teach him how to walk. In other words, how to respond in this situation, how to deal with his enemies. He needs help navigating this situation that he is in because it is serious. He's got enemies, adversaries, false witnesses, ringing his doorbell in the middle of the night. His need for Yahweh was primal. You can can feel it in this psalm. To quote David Pallison again, he once said, When I came out of open heart surgery, I experienced pain to a degree that completely changed my answer when a doctor asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, rate your pain. My need for God's presence was primal. Lord, you say you are a very present help in trouble. This is trouble, help. We come to know God by needing him. We need his forgiveness. We also need his protection. We also need his strength. We also need his hope. Some of the mercies we need, we only discover in affliction. David's need for Yahweh was primal. His enemies, adversaries, false witnesses, and they are breathing out violence. He's a wanted man, wanted dead or alive. And so in Psalm 27, I think if you read between the lines, you can also hear Psalm 46, verse 1, which says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. David is saying, Lord, you say you are a very present help in trouble. These guys are trouble. They want me dead. Help. Let me ask you, where in your life do you need to talk to Jesus like this? Where in your life... Do you maybe even need to scream at Jesus like David and say, Lord, you say you are a very present help in trouble? Well, this is trouble, help. What trouble are you experiencing and you need Jesus to come through for you on who he says he is? Where do you need Jesus to be a very present help? What's weighing on your heart today where you need to look up to Jesus and just say, this is trouble. Help. You know what? Let's do that right now. Because David is most likely at church, at the tabernacle when he prays this. So let's do what he does. Let's just take a moment and cry out to Jesus and say, this is trouble. Help. And so you can scream out in a moment. We're going to have a moment of silence. Maybe not silence. You may want to scream out to Jesus. We'll take a moment here. You can scream if you want to, or you can just do it quietly. We're just going to take a few seconds. We're going to ask Jesus to help. So say something like this. Jesus, you say that you are a very present help in trouble. Well, this thing right here that's weighing on my heart, you know what it is. It's trouble. Help. Okay? Let's do that now, and then I'll come in and pray, and then we'll come back to preaching. Okay? Jesus, you are a very present help in trouble. And whatever's weighing on each of our hearts, Lord, is trouble. And so we're asking you to come right now and help. And then may you get great glory when we look back over this moment of our lives someday and we can say, you have been my help. Be your help now. So that we can look back someday and give you glory and say, you have been my help. In your name we pray, amen. Aren't you glad you serve a Savior that will let you interrupt a sermon to ask him for help? I love that about Jesus. And sometimes you have to interrupt your own sermon. The sermon that you're preaching to to the congregation of your own heart. And you have to simply ask Jesus for help. Martin Lloyd-Jones is very helpful here. He reminds us that we're all preachers. It's a lengthy quote, but man, it's, it's, worth, it's worth every word. Here's what Lloyd-Jones said. The main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this. That we allow ourself to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. Am I just trying to be deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42, was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he asks. His soul had been repressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Do you know what I mean? If you do not, you have but little experience. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is knowing how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God who God is and what God is and what God has done and what God has pledged himself to do, then having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself and defy other people and defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance who is also the health of my countenance and my God. Isn't that good? That's what David does here. In fact, David is preaching to his own heart in verses 13 to 14 when he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is David preaching to the congregation in his own heart. His faith which is fully aware of his enemies and his adversaries and his troubles, his faith, which is fully aware of the character, ways, and purposes of the Lord, his faith speaks that he will see the goodness of God in his life. No matter what happens, David knows that God is good and God does good. He even says that in Psalm 119, 68, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Because Yahweh is good and always does good, David can say, I will see your goodness in my life. Even as David suffers, he he knows that he will still see Yahweh's goodness. He will still see Yahweh's goodness because he will still experience the following things as he suffers. Even as David suffers, he sees the goodness of God in his life because he has friends. Hugs, good music, cinnamon rolls if they had them back then. He has sunsets. He has naps. Even as we suffer, we, see, we still see God's goodness. We still see all the gifts that he has blessed us with and that he inspe- expects us to enjoy. So because Yahweh is good and he always does good, David preaches this truth, this sermon, to his own heart as he is surrounded by his enemies and as he deals with all the troubles that have flooded in. And you're going to need to learn how to do this too. Like I said, I'm not the only preacher here. You are one too. And your heart is a congregation. So when it's dark and everything feels hopeless, Preach to your heart. I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But David's not done preaching to his own heart. He ends this psalm doing it again. I want to point a few things out. Look at verse 14 again. He says, wait for Yahweh. Be strong and let your heart take courage and wait for Yahweh. It's worth pointing out again that this word, wait, is the one that we've seen in the last few sermons that we looked at. The Hebrew word here for wait, kvah, kind of captures the idea of the tension that is involved when we have to wait for something. It suggests the, uh, the, the restlessness and the, the tension, the, the twisting, like twisting in knots. In fact, they got the Hebrew word for rope from this word. It's this twisting that's what exactly what it feels like when you have to wait on the Lord, right? It's like you're being all twisted up. So David preaches to himself to wait for the Lord, to, to live with this uh, restlessness, to live with the tension, to live with the twisting up in knots as he waits. What's interesting is that the words for wait and strong and take courage are singular verbs in the Hebrew language here. David is talking to himself. We're just eavesdropping. He's not telling everybody else to wait, take heart, take courage, be strong. He's preaching to his own heart. He's talking to himself, preaching to himself, telling himself to be strong and wait on the Lord and take courage. And then a few of these words are actually imperatives, they're like commandments. They're, 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 he's getting in his own face. It's as if David is looking at himself in the mirror and he's saying, Hey you, yes you, get it together, stop squirming, stop freaking out, be courageous son, man up and wait on Yahweh. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to go look at yourself in the mirror tell yourself to man up and wait on the Lord and to live with the restlessness and live with the tension because you know you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You just have to preach to your own heart because you're a preacher too. You have a congregation of thoughts and feelings and emotions that gather in your heart and you need to preach to them. So go do that this week, okay? You may have to tell your family... I'm going to go in the bathroom for a minute and shut the door. If you hear me yelling, I'm just preaching at my own heart, okay? Let them know ahead of time so they don't think you've lost your mind. Who are you talking in there to? You're telling somebody, man up, have courage, be strong. You know what? But sometimes the pain is so intense, the suffering is so intense. Maybe you need to do this. Let's go in the bathroom and shut the door and look at yourself in the mirror and say, man up, your God is faithful. Have hope. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why are you downcast on my soul? You know who Jesus is. Man, I've been waiting for him. So go and do that this week. Preach Christ crucified, the all-sufficient Savior. Preach Christ to your heart. I think you'll be happy you did. So believe right now, Christian, that you will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to pray and then we're going to celebrate and we're actually going to taste and see that the Lord is good as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the all-sufficient Savior. Thank you that you listen to our cries and our screams, that you welcome them. You welcome us to be real with you. Thank you that you care, that there's compassion, there's a tender heart that says, seek my face. Pour your heart out to me. Scream at me if you have to. Thank you that you're willing to come down and, and listen to us. Thank you that we can cry out to you. Thank you for recording Psalm 27 so that we would know how to process the struggles and the sufferings that we go through. Thank you, Jesus, that you have been our help. And you have been our help the most In the fact that you lived and died, rose again, and ascended on high on our behalf. You did that for us. And so we can say you have been our help. And so we come to you again and we say we need help. We ask you to forgiveness. We need your forgiveness. Have mercy on us, God. Strengthen us, Lord. May your grace strengthen us as we eat and drink at the table today. And this week, Lord, help us to be able to say that we will look upon your goodness in our life because of you. In your name we pray, amen.